grounded. He woke. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Couch. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Thursday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to The Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, The Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. You might notice a little pep in my speech. It's because... It's major golf week, and as is the case with a lot of these tournaments, the early leaderboard is filled with a bunch of dudes you've never heard of. Yeah. But, but hide and watch because that'll change. Giving us some early highlights, though. Yeah, Scott Stallings apparently made a two on number 10. The leader, at least who he was when I saw. Higa. Higa? He just a- made another birdie. Wow. That Three putt, through that four. putt just kind of set right there on the lip and then went in. I mean, you like that. That's what you want from a major. Some some good golf from these no-name guys. K- who knows? Who knows? Might, who knows? Who might stay around? Oh, look here. Oh, never mind. That was for par. I was going to say the U.S. Ryder Cup captain just made a birdie on number one, but nope, that was a par putt, a lengthy par putt. Just underway, K. Higa is leading. Japanese guy. Three under through four. Now, did I understand this right? There was a delay because of frost. There was a frost delay. Frost delay in May, May eighteenth. Yeah, I was reading some some comments from uh, Justin Thomas yesterday, and he was uh, talking about how they had snow there like three weeks ago. But here's the deal: in the PGA, in the PGA of America's defense, when they set this site, the PGA was in August. That's true. When the site was set, it was before the the calendar got calendar got revamped. That's true. So, but it looks nice. I mean, you got it didn't take long. Guys are out there in uh, short sleeves. So I, the, I, I think here's what I think happened. I, I talked a bunch yesterday about how the the draw would matter. I think because of the frost, those guys didn't have to play when it was so cold, and now it's just going to be normal. Because it look, I mean, like I said, you call them more cows. Right here, he doesn't he doesn't have a jacket on even, um, and this is only the what fifth or sixth seventh group off. So that that theory is I'm, I think uh, null and void with the uh, frost delay that allowed the temperatures to warm up, and now everybody's kind of on the same footing I think between the morning and the afternoon guys. So not much going on because of that delay. That really uh, there's just guys through like three or four holes is the most that anybody's played so far. So it'll. Uh, It'll get really get going by the time we get off the air. Also in golf, talk about it at the end of the show. We'll do the PGA Championship also. Uh, regional golf in the in men's Division One. One team keeps rolling, and another one shockingly is done. We'll tell you what that is. I came across this list of the uh, CBS Sports ranked the Power Five college football coaches. And so I want to get into that today. Um, I, without looking, I want you, I want you to do your top five. 
without looking at what theirs is. You see what I'm saying? Gotcha. I'm doing, I'm doing it right okay. now. Okay. All right. So do get everybody. What's your top five? If you had to, if I said, all right, who are the top five college football coaches? Who you got? And then we'll kind of compare that to what the list is. Who's too high on that list in my mind? Who's too low? And then it, it, it seems like there's some that are kind of falling. And there's some that are rising or are going to have the ability to rise. So we can talk about that. It was it maybe a week or two ago when I asked the question, what was the most like like one in a one of a kind thing that's ever happened in sports? Right. Oh, yeah. I think I know where you're going. It happened. I, I, what are the? I know where you're going. It happened to a Diamondback. Not quite the same circumstance, but damn close enough to go, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll hit the NBA playoffs right here at the top as well with Miami. Hey. Miami. Jimmy Butler, man. Crazy. And then game two of the West. I've got a question. We were we were praising a guy yesterday uh, about in game one of the Lakers Nuggets. Sorry, there's a balloon just yeah. flying around in Blake's Did office. Did you not know? It's yeah. freaking me out. Guess what? It it went all the way down the hall the, over the weekend. <laughs> it was left over from Gabe's office. Okay, there is a legend about this building that there's a little well, little it, it took boy it took or... all Monday for it to get there, uh, or Sunday. I mean, I was up here Sunday. It took about all Sunday for it. It started at like the break room. Yeah, when I got here and I was here for a while, and by the time I left, it was past like the hall, coming in, coming in the from the back door, right? Yeah, it was past there. And then when I got here Monday, it was like right at the door. And now here it is flying around in Blake's office. Uh, anyhow, we'll talk some NBA playoffs as well. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text, talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to kadsam.com. Download the app. The app's got it all. Radio, Penny News. Go pick up a free copy of this week's Penny News at your favorite local newsstand. During the high school sports season, Big Elk and Paragon TV in there as well. And then, of course, Skinny on Sports Podcast. You can find that sucker wherever you go get podcasts. It's there each and everywhere. How are you today, Jared? I'm good. No power. No power. It's back. Of course, it's like five minutes after I arrive here, the power comes back on my house. No, I woke up. Power was on. Everything was good. Sure, it's raining, thundering, whatever. Going, I, my, it's like slow motion in a movie. I'm going down to push the button to start my coffee. Then, power Darkness. gone. So I, I kind of stand there like, all right, it'll come back. <laughs> it did not. So, had to get ready in the, um, in the dark. Had some lamps, you know, emergency lamps or whatever. Now, uh, just for- I really need a generator. Every time this happens, I need a generator. But it only happens like. Yeah. Maybe twice a year. We didn't have a bad winter where we didn't lose power, you know. So, but you could hear all the generators, all the generac generators going off for um, just for, for just for um, documentary purposes. Your AccuWeather app never went severe, did it? No, mine neither. Just I want to document that in the podcast if their questions abound overnight. I kept looking. Well, oh. I, I made a I made a point to watch. Uh, the the news at six because mm-hmm. you can kind of see some clouds building, but it's still way back in, into the panhandle of Texas. But 
You mean like last night? Yeah, like at six o'clock oh, last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, you could see that. You we could were, already see it. We were outside mm-hmm. doing some practicing, and coaches were asking me, "Where's that at?" And it was like an Amarillo. I'm like, "Yeah, like, man, <laughs> that's way out there. Don't worry about it." And so, I made sure and watched, and, and my man David Payne was like, "Oh, zero chance of severe weather tonight. Overnight, it's just going to be maybe some very small hail, a little bit of lightning, you know, and rain." Yeah. Uh, well, then I watched at 10 as the storm started moving closer, and he said, well, you never know. There might be an uptick of a severe here and there. And I thought, are you kidding me? Dang it, David I'm going to get up at 2.30. You're a David Payne in my butt. Yeah. I could have went the other way. Go ahead. And so anyway, I thought, oh, really? It's going to, like, just enough for me to drive here, and then it's going to go away. Go away. That's how it works for me, too, when I come from Canoe. And so anyway, yeah. it never happened officially but we got the rain so we did get the rain complain Bunch about of rain. that hopefully it holds off tonight i want to play some softball but don't think it's gonna happen i think tonight's a little bit different uh there's it's around okay first game's 5 30 what is it then uh you there's got... gonna be chances and it's gonna be storms right but like he said very low chance of tornadoes but big hail golf ball or something bigger uh, hail 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 the no. hail yeah well let's we'll see what the national weather service says crossing my fingers never thought that rain would be the reason why we're not playing a lot of softball games happened last saturday could happen tonight could happen tomorrow so 4 p.m to 10 i'm supposed to golf tomorrow by the way i'm not going to be here yeah i know so 4 p.m to 10 chance of severe storms today we are in the slight yellow box Mm. and then there's a green marginal which is lower around us so there's a chance I know southwestern and western Oklahoma is kind of the spot today, and down into the eastern Texas Panhandle as well. Well, I'm going to say there's a pretty. I'm going to say there's a pretty decent chance. Crossing my fingers, softball doesn't just, happen. I'm crossing my fingers that it, the rain holds off. I don't. I don't think the rain is what you're going to have to worry about. Lightning and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah that's that'll what I'm do it. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of for you. Okay, so last night, I, I think both of us really. Almost dismissed Miami. I know I did. Oh, I absolutely And that doesn't mean that Boston can't win four in a row and they win in five games like we kind of thought. But there's two things, and and we did preface that by saying, unless Jimmy Butler goes nuts, which Jimmy Butler went nuts on both ends of the floor. He he was just incredible. Uh, And Jason Tatum, some late key turnovers. I I, I really kind of thought Boston came out, did what they had planned on doing in the first half. They're up nine. Seems like they're rolling. And maybe just kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, thinking, okay, game one, we're mm-hmm. winning. And Eric Spolstra. Is Eric Spolstra the most underrated being in the NBA? Yeah, because of what he started with. I almost talked about this yesterday. What he started with. With LeBron, D Wade, Bosch. And I thought, man, this guy was just given a Ferrari. He just turned 16, and here's the keys to your Ferrari, son. Pat Riley said that to him. But he's turned into, he's a really good coach. Well, in, in early. And he's a, what is the longest tenured coach right now? Oh, he has to be. Yeah. He absolutely has to be. Uh, well, except for Pop. Well, yeah. He almost doesn't count. Well, I meant in their abled mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, even a, in, those, Go ahead, in those early times, which you're talking about, with the 
the Heatles. There was, you know, LeBron, I think, had to... There was something about him that LeBron didn't just dismiss him away. Because at first, it looked like it was going to happen. You know, this guy is... Didn't win that first year? Yeah, and, and, you know, this guy is some kind of videographer, you know, Mm -hmm. and what does he know? And, Mm -hmm. of course, Pat Riley's there, and there was always the thought of, well... This young baby face guy, that's enough. Get Pat in there and win these titles. But it, there was something there because as, as we've seen with LeBron, he'll th- he'll discard you as soon as he knows he's done with you. And there were some rumblings there early on in those first couple of years, but but he didn't. And now you're looking up. I mean, the adjustments that he makes and that he made last night at, at halftime, going in the second half and. Turn the game around, and of course, making shots helps. But I thought it—I I thought it really started defensively, where they started getting stops. They're creating turnovers, creating open floor opportunities that they took advantage of. Next thing you know, they score forty-six, which is the most they've ever scored in a quarter in the playoffs. The second most the Celtics' storied franchise has ever given up in a quarter in a playoff game, and Miami turns it completely around and wins. Um, I, but but that last sentence there, with the success that Miami, in, in a short time that they've been in existence from the you know early '90s to now, they've been a really successful franchise. Oh yeah, a lot of people forget they won a title before LeBron. Before LeBron, and then but then of course you got Boston, who is right behind the Lakers or ahead of wherever you want to put them, all time. But what what I'm trying to tell you is. If you're if you're like us and thought the Celtics were going to win this season this series pretty easily, I don't think you need to give up on that because it took historic quarter in order for the Celtics to lose that game. Yeah, that's a good point. And so you know it, it was an incredible performance, and Jimmy Butler is the toughest dude there is. Spolstra might be the best coach in the league, and yet it took that historic collapse in the third quarter for Miami to win that game a seven. So I'm certainly not selling my Celtics stock when it comes to winning this series over the Miami Could game. be a flash in the pan. But you're right. It took a historic quarter just to win by seven. So not bearing Boston at all is what we're saying. And I agree with you. But kudos to Miami, though. I think what we we all that what you said we took for granted. We didn't Think about well, Spolstra. He knows how to coach. He knows how to coach at a high level. Jimmy Butler. We mentioned Jimmy Butler yesterday, and and, and he was what he was. I just hope it. I mean, is it Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler every game? You know what I mean. Who's going to have the better night? Well, it shouldn't be because to success. Boston's got Jalen Brown. Now, the one thing, the and the smart, one smart could be good. Sometimes. Yeah, and, and here's the one. As well as Al Horford did. And he did an amazing job on Embiid at times in that series against the Sixers. It feels like Bam Adebayo is a different challenge. And, man, it it just didn't seem as if Horford could hang. You know, Adebayo Mm -hmm. was awesome last night. And maybe there's just a little bit – you know, maybe this – at the end of the day, it shows you that yeah, Embiid's knee wasn't very good because Horford was able to stick with him. But I mean, but him and Anabio are different players. You know, Embiid's more of the traditional throw it to me, I'll back you down. 
and Horford was strong enough to handle that. But now Adebayo is more of a mover, cutter, well, pick and pop type player, and that makes Horford's age maybe show a little that's bit. That's where I was going. That's exactly where I was going. It's it's the you, people forget how long he's been in the league, and he's um, I mean good player. But you're right when you make him be versatile like that, that could wear him down in a hurry. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a, that's the one maybe overlooked by me advantage that Miami has. But then you also got Robert Williams. It, it just may neutralize Al Horford in this series more than it did against uh, against the Sixers. Now, an, another uh, coach that we gave a bunch of credit to yesterday, even in a losing effort, was Darvin Ham. And the way that Darvin Ham was able to make an adjustment and slow down Jok- uh, Jokic just a little bit by moving Hachimura onto him. Here's a question, though. Down 18 at half, down 14 going in the fourth quarter. Did Darvin Ham, while doing something really good at the time, mess up? Did he make a mistake by tipping his hand in a game they probably weren't going to win? And now mm. gives Mike Malone and the Nuggets a chance to adjust gives to a, the adjustment gives that happened. Blueprint, yeah. Exactly. Instead of instead of springing this on them tonight in Game Two, and maybe that being enough to win that and steal that game. Now that they've seen it, now can Mike Malone adjust before the tip off even happens? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you can't play the you know kind of like baseball. You can't play the what if game. You can't say, well, I, I tip my hand too early. I'll take this loss and then reveal. But sometimes that that's exactly what happens. Yeah, sometimes it is. But you're right. He 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 did it and still came out with a loss. So you showed Miami. That's a good. It's a good question. I I don't I don't know. I it gives something. I if anything, it gives Denver something else to prepare for. Yeah, that's true. So there's always that. But um, I'm not going to fault him for it because he did everything he could to try to put his team in the best position to win. And I can't fault a guy for that, a coach for that. I think a lot of a lot more concern for the Lakers is age of Anthony Davis and LeBron James and being able to replicate what they did in game even though it isn't a loss, replicate what they did in that game one loss as they turn around with just one day rest in that altitude that is so famous for Oh yeah. You know, being being really tough to combat physically up there in the Mile High City. Do you think they're walking around with air tanks like old people at Walmart? <laughs> like it looks like the casino. <laughs> Just to try to stay as what do you call that? Get to keep enough oxygen in their body. Oxygenate your blood. Oxygenate. Thank yes, you. it doesn't what, happen as fast in the, in yeah, the higher elevation. You think they're doing that. Yeah, they're <laughs> doing whatever they can. Tanks pulling around. <laughs> Maybe not the little green tanks, but they're doing as whatever they possibly can. I'm, I'm about sure. to get a text. There's Jared again ripping on old people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jared doesn't like old people. Oh boy. Now that I think that's the whole key to the series is how many games. If it goes seven, let's say it goes seven. How many can LeBron and Anthony Davis be at their tip top? physically, mentally, and being able to play in that moment. It's a great question. To be able to yeah. combat what, uh, what what the younger Denver Nuggets can do. It's a great question. We'll, we'll have to see. If they go, if they can do it seven times out of seven, I think we're going to have one heck of a series. Yes. Oh, yeah. I just don't think they can. And so now that they lost one game, it's like it's okay to lose the games where they don't play great. It's a pretty tough blow when you lose 
a game that they both did. Wild theory here. If the uh, this series was in the bubble, is that is that advantage Lakers? Maybe so. Because, I mean, think or that, or vice versa. Back in twenty twenty, if it was normal and it was in the Rocky Mountains, it's an advantage that nobody else has. For the you know mm-hmm. them and maybe Salt Lake City in Utah. There's just not a lot of not a lot of those it's, places. There's not a lot of talk about that in Utah. You don't hear about no, not not nearly as much as Denver. You don't hear that. You just hear a bunch of racism in Utah. Well, you don't true. hear about the <laughs> thin air. Okay, so did you see? You know, a couple weeks back we talked about these one of a kind occurrences in sports, and you know, Randy Johnson hitting that bird with the baseball was on a lot of people's mind, and how oh my god! I mean, now, so did you see what happened here? Yeah, I saw it. So Zach Gallon. Of the, of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks just happened to be the same team that Randy Johnson was playing for at the time. He was playing catch, and apparently he was just kind of he, he threw a curveball. And what does it do? It hits a bird and kills it. Now he's playing catch out in the out. You know, like it, it's it's yeah, not like he was not, throwing a pitch yeah. to a batter and it exploded a bird. Right. But what are the odds? That the same team, a pitcher on the same team, would hit a bird with a baseball. That's like lightning striking twice in a way. The odds are astronomical. So here's what I say. I win. Because at that, that day, kind of the two leaders in the clubhouse was hitting a bird with a baseball when you're throwing it or chipping it on top of the guy's coin. Yeah, I hadn't seen anybody chip it on somebody's coin again. I don't know. The, we got another... <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half days of this PGA yeah. Championship. Who it's, knows what could happen? It's crazy. That, I mean, and the, not only that it happened. I think it's a glitch in the matrix. I think that's what's going on here. But how about the fact that it was a Diamondbacks pitcher? Know, that's what I'm saying. The glitch in the matrix. Man. <laughs> Just craziness. The odds are astronomical that that would happen once, much less twice. It's insane. So congratulations, Zach Gallon. <laughs> there's, there's about to be a... a a, a revolt. There's about uh, to be a, bun- a bunch of bird. No, a bunch of birds are going to get together. And go, okay, Uh-oh. we're going to attack on the dawn when <laughs> they're, they're going to. They're mad at the at, at the at Arizona. At the yeah, it has to be a road game because they they got a they're enclosed. <laughs> it's going to be like a like the movie The Birds. Next they're time they go to ah, next time ah. they go to Wrigley. <laughs> next time they go to Wrigley, you're going to have a bunch of birds just carry the pitcher off of this mound. And take him outside the ivy and just dump him on the street or something. <laughs> take that. Oh, boy. Crazy. Or San Francisco. They're going to drop, drop him, him in McCovey, McCovey Cove. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you see who? Did you happen to see who the Bucks interviewed for their for head their, coaching no, position? No. A former assistant. That's not how you think of him, though. Sam got it. He, uh... He guessed who the former Bucks assistant who they hired or, or who they didn't hire. Sorry, who they're who talking they, to, who they interviewed. Do you remember this? Uh, you know him a different way. You know him as the former head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, current head coach at the Houston Cougars, Mr. Kelvin Sampson. Yeah, interesting. There's always been when he spent that time in the NBA. There was always that speculation of when's he going to get a shot. As a head coach, yeah, or would he be one of those college guys that could that could translate? And yeah. then he seemed to like being that assistant or an yeah. analyst or whatever he was. He seemed to really like it. He he kind of laid low and still made money and still was in the game that he loved. 
Houston was a perfect situation for him. Small school, but with history, and he's elevated them back to prominence. And I, I, I'd be interested to see how that worked. Yeah. Milwaukee, I'd be rooting for him. Yeah, sure, a, a lot of o- Oklahomans would. He's a guy that after the end of thing, Indiana thing wore off, you, you, you tend to like the guy. You still like the guy. Yeah, so they've now, they've now interviewed Kelvin Sampson and Scott Brooks. You know, that's about a, that was a, my first <laughs> answer was going to be Brooks. Yeah, they already interviewed him. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. You'd think, I mean, you know, Kelvin's getting up there in age. And you really kind of felt like Houston was his last stop, right? Oh, I yeah, uh, I I would be shocked if Kelvin leaves if it's not Kellen as the next coach there at Houston. Yeah, that, he, that would be fun, shocking. Yeah, there's um, the Kellen Sampson thing. I mean, there's rumblings of him coming back to OU well, if that was ever a thing, but. If uh, the timing's not right, he might be locked into Houston before that happens. Yeah, and then obviously Mississippi State would be a place that you might look for him if an opening ever happens because of Zach Selman right. taking that AD job right. and, the, and the, the relationship that those guys have had through the years uh, from Oklahoma. So, interesting. Uh, that, uh, that just popped up today that, uh, that the Bucks interviewed him. All right, we've got college football coaches. If I said, all right, Jared, rank your top five college football coaches. Who would you how would you rank them? Uh when you said that, I quickly wrote down the top five in my eyes, my head. Um, I, I still stick with Nick Saban because he he's the most winningest coach still active right now in in one of the greatest of all times it's just hard to knock him down from that number one spot even though he hasn't won one in a couple of years uh speaking of which kirby smart i put him at number two um ryan day at number three Dabo at four he's i kind of swept swapped if you asked me this a year ago i would have swapped those but uh i think ryan day is stock is going up with ohio state and Dabo's kind of cooled off with clemson Uh, i know they won the acc last year it was a bounce back season for them but it still felt underwhelming for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney standards. And number five, people are going to hate me, but I'll go with Lincoln Riley. I mean, you see the immediate impact he has at a program. He kept it going at OU in his first year at USC. It's fun to watch him lose, but he didn't lose only but twice. What, three times? Two times. Three. Three times at USC. And, um, you know, if he could figure out the defense, he can climb up this list too and, you know, maybe win a title or two. But that's what I had. I mean, that's – as current coaches what we got so what about you uh same top four different order i still had Saban one although here's a question how much credit should kirby smart get for what alabama did and the reason i ask that is it sure seems like he has been able to make georgia alabama since leaving, mm-hmm. especially from a recruiting standpoint. And if anything that has knocked Alabama down a tick, it is they're just not quite as dominant recruiting as they were. How much of that was Kirby Smart? As an assistant yeah, at Alabama, yeah, you know see, what I'm saying? I see where you're coming from, I, yeah. Saban's the greatest there ever has been. And so it's hard not to put him first. 
But, I mean, if if what happens the, the last two years happens again, when we talk about this a year from now, Kirby Smart has to be considered the best coach in, the, in America right now. It doesn't mean he's the best all time mm-hmm. like Saban is. Mm-hmm. But he is right there. Because he has built that Georgia thing into Alabama. I mean, it's it's almost like the best compliment that you could give Saban is that the team that just won back-to-back titles reminds you of what he's got. Yeah. Or has had. Yeah, that's true. And so I kept Dabo three just because Ryan Day hasn't got it done. Right. I have Ryan Day four. And then I moved, and it, I think this is a guy that took way too much crap for being pretty damn good. And now the last two years, he has gotten over the hump into at least the playoff. I've got Harbaugh five. I think Jim Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. Always was. He just couldn't beat Ohio State. Now in the last two years, he's been able to do it. And I think this year is the year that if it's not going to be Georgia or Alabama, my money would be leaning toward Michigan because Michigan has probably their most talented team back. Second year of J.J. McCarthy under center. Uh, this this may be the year he either vaults up a couple of notches or he cements himself toward the bottom of the top ten. I could easily switch out Harbaugh for Riley, Riley and Harbaugh. I, see, I had Riley eight. I went ahead and went out to okay, – oh, wow. where I, went, okay. I thought, okay, where would I put Riley? I put him eighth behind Kyle Whittingham. I've got Whittingham seventh – or I'm sorry, sixth at Utah. And I've got Brian Kelly seventh. I think Brian Kelly's another guy that we're going to go – Mm, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he kind of team he's he got at LSU. reminded us of that after um, he got settled in there at LSU. So okay, so the list here that was put together, Tom Fernelli wrote the article, but it was a few of the the writers that that kind of put in there. They, they compiled their list, right? So they had Saban, Smart, Swinney, Riley, Harbaugh, top five, Kelly, Whittingham, Ryan Day at eight, Luke Fickle at nine, James Franklin at ten. And then you start finding some Big 12 coaches. And that leads me to who's too high. On, on, list? on their list. To me, Sonny Dykes is incredibly too high at number 11. Just I, based off of one I year? I get it. They had a great year last year. And he did some things at SMU. But I'm going to need to see that wasn't just the perfect storm and just a flash in the pan season for TCU before I can consider Sonny Dykes – the 11th best coach in the country. Completely agree. Comple- you got to read it. I lost internet. Okay. All right, so you have – okay, so is it, it – Dykes. Probably attempted on my phone. So I had I had Riley as, an, as a too high guy because I have him at eight and he's number four on this list. And then another guy I have too high, and I, I, I think he gets credit for what he used to do more than what he's doing now. And that's Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly at number 13. I mean, in in this list, he moved up 15 spots from last year. Why? Because he went 9-4 and four instead of 8-4? and four? Chip Kelly just seems like the, the idea of Chip Kelly at this point in his career is better than the results that Chip Kelly gets out at UCLA. I'll give kudos to UCLA as having enough patience to keep him around. Yeah, he's probably better than he can get, but That's the 13th true. best coach in the country, no thanks. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, let me. See. So you're asking who's too high? Who's too high? On this, on their list. Well, why is Luke Fickle at nine? Because of what he did at Cincinnati. What he did at Cincinnati. I mean, 
I could probably switch nine and ten. James Franklin. What has he done? James Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. But Luke Fickle, I mean, hasn't coached a down and I mean, he went to the Rose Bowl, I guess, last year, but yeah. Yeah. I'm still looking. But I, I agree with everything you said about those coaches. All right, who's too low? Well, I saw it pop up on our text line before the internet went off. Um maybe climbing around twelve. I've got climbing weights. I, I think climbing would like be number can, nine on yeah, my list. He can go up for me. Yeah, absolutely. He's twelve here. I think he is fantastic, and I, I this is a this is a, a year. You know, you know what this year reminds me of for them. Two years ago for Iowa State, they were the trendy pick. They they had just come off playing for the Big Twelve title against OU, and they you know that people were paying attention. The hell, hell, they were what number seven preseason. I think Kansas State's maybe not that much love, but Kansas State's going to get love going into the year, and that's going to be a different position for them. Now, Kleiman's been there himself as the coach before he got to K-State, you know, back in his former spot, Mm -hmm. North Dakota. So he knows how to manage those high expectations on that level. Can you do it on the Big 12 level? Because to me... We thought this was OSU. Maybe it's Kansas State with Climb and and, the, and what he's building there. As who's going to be the perennial lead dog in the new Big Twelve? And I mentioned that too, based on what you just said. Kind of agreeing. I am agreeing with you. Um, they have always been that nice team. That always been that. Hey, look out for this Kansas State team. They'll get some wins, and they do. And then they win the Big 12 title last year. Now they got that target, you know. That's right. You know, now no one's going to overlook them. No one's going to say they were here comes that nice. We might be ready for these uh, purple cats guys. Get ready for them. It's going to be guys, it's Kansas State week. You know, you say Let's that. Go. How many people do you think remember because of what happened in the playoff? How many people do you think remember that Kansas State actually won the Big 12? You're right. It wasn't TCU. You know what I mean? Right. I don't, I don't know that a bunch of people even now would go, oh, yeah, Kansas State's a defending Big 12 champ. Now, in defense of this list. No, they're list, not. They're TCU. Yeah, in defense of this list, they he was 31 right. last year. Oh, no, he moved I mean, up. They, he moved way up, but he could almost be higher. Is um, Gundy's way too low. That's Well, I was actually I was in that that. Vicinity. Those next two, Gundy and Mark Stoops, to me, are way too low. Well, what about what about Heupel? I think he's right where again. he needs to be. Let's see it again. At 16? At that at that school, I need to see it again. Again, in defense of this list, he was thirty three last year. Yeah, he, so, and he moved. He made yeah. a big old move up. In which, listen, if Tennessee is right there competing with Georgia as the SEC East champ and gets into the to the championship game, he'll be in the top ten next year. He'll, but Heupel's one year, while awesome last year at Tennessee, winning a, a what a New Year Six Bowl, the Peach Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's that's great, but. The longevity of what Mark Stoops and Mike Gundy have done at Kentucky and Ohio or at uh, Oklahoma State dwarfs one season, one well, good just, season just at Tennessee. Just to do it at Kentucky or at OSU or, or at OSU, yeah. But I, mean, I, I think Gundy gets he OSU seems to care more about their football program than Kentucky. Yeah, does. I agree with that. But they used to not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the the turnaround since, that Gundy has made Gundy it is, goes. Yeah. It, it, he doesn't get as much credit because it's been so long ago. It. it Listen, kids that are graduating high school right now, 
they have no idea how bad OSU football was. Yeah. At one point, they have no clue because all they've known is the T Boone, Holder, Gundy, Cowboys in the new stadium, which isn't so new anymore. <laughs> but it still feels like it is, you know. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a great stadium. It's Fifteen years ago. Yeah. But for those two to do what they've done at those schools, and I think Kleiman's that way a little bit, uh, definitely at Kansas State as well. I think those guys are too low. I mean, I like Lane Kiffin. I think he's hilarious. Would I rather have him coaching my team than Mark Soups or Mike Gundy? Probably not, depending on what it was, you know, where it was. Sonny Dykes for sure. Come on. And then we can start talking with James Franklin. I mean, I think those guys are, you know, those with Kleiman, and 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 we're probably – more in tune to it because it's it's Oklahoma State, it's Kansas State, and then of course the Stoops connection with Kentucky. I mean, but for for them to go to as many bowls in a row as they have at Kentucky, really, what? So like, when are people going to wake up, like big time job, big time schools, and go? Mark Stoops has done enough. He needs to lead our program. He's he is doing what he's doing at Kentucky. Yeah. We'll see. But everyone wants to find the next Lincoln Riley, the next young guy that's a that's a, a genius or whatever. And who knows? He might have had some chances to leave, but you never really heard his name in the mix at the upper at the echelon. Big ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, at the big ones. Here's here's the you problem. Know, like, okay, how about uh, you know? Great example for me. Great example. Florida goes and hires who? Billy Napier. Is this going to work? Doesn't look like it. For me, I'm thinking Florida. Hey, would Stoops go to Kentucky, from well, Kentucky to Florida? You'd think I mean, so. That, that, but yeah, but I mean, there's a lot more yeah, coaches I mean, moving around in the SEC. That, you I mean, know. that's even inner division. Sure. I was going to say it's kind of a rivalry. <laughs> yeah. But um, well, and here, why here is, I'm just saying the guy deserves a shot at here, a big school. But here's the question. And you bring up both both schools that we've just brought up. How much was it Mark Stoops just taking advantage at Kentucky that Tennessee and Florida were down? Down, yeah. And if those, you know, it, it, if he can prove, if if he can prove that he can keep Kentucky at the nine and three level, if Florida and uh, Tennessee are good, then that's a whole different ball game than what he's done now just because of those schools haven't been very good i really want to dive in to mark stoops career at kentucky now you know maybe i'm talking myself into this is this fool's gold who of note has he beaten like what are the big upsets that he's well, pulled it, off i mean i'm, I'm trying to beat you know, florida for the, the teams, first time in yeah but like you said 30 years they were kind of they're kind well, of uh. he's, they've beaten the teams that you that because he's gotten them up to a competitive level that when they go up against, say, the obviously the Vanderbilt or even the South Carolinas, or you go, you know what, Kentucky should win this game. They should win that game. But when they go up against a Bama, Georgia, you go, oh well, let's see if they can pull off the upset. Have they done that yet? Nah, here and there. But it's more kind of beating this this historic streaks of futility against, say, Tennessee or Florida as much as anything else. But it is Kentucky football. I mean, that's, that's another thing that we all, you know, have to take into consideration. Yeah, he's only going 8 and 5, 9 and 4, 10 and 3. 10 and 3 at Kentucky. 
It's like twelve and zero somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's the, you know that that's that's the equivalent of Bama one loss Bama winning the SEC, Listen, if not even better. They're happy with winning seasons. Oh, 100 percent. That's a two games over five hundred. They're ecstatic. But if you're worried about giant upside, as these as the biggest schools are, has he proven to be able to get to that level? I don't know. Obviously not, because uh, people haven't hired him. But yeah, I'd still put I would put I'm him. I'm looking up the for list the, that bit. win. You know, I'm looking for. I'm going through. You can continue, but I'm looking for that. I'm going season by season since he's been there. He right, didn't what, have a winning season till his third year there. Yeah, and then I mean, he's had. I think he had back to back tens, didn't he? Um. If he, he takes COVID, ten, out. ten and three and twenty one. Okay. He was seven and six last year. What about nineteen before the eighteen? Co- he was ten and three. Okay, that's a two. So okay, he's so had two, two ten win seasons, which I think they'd only had one ever. He's sixty six and fifty nine overall. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's like being a, that's like being a winning coach at Iowa State. And I think the the comparison between those two those two guys, even though Campbell's a little younger, I'm afraid for their sake. Did they wait for the right job and end up getting stuck where they're at? Hmm. Did you mention Lane Kiffin on this list? Is, yeah, you like him where he's at? I like Lane Kiffin. And I, I do too. I, I like him. I've I, come around, you know? I've I would probably around. put a couple of the guys that are behind him above him, but could have put, put a couple of guys that are above him behind him, and so he'd probably end up about right there. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, at least so far, would I rather have Lane Kiffin or Josh Heupel? I'd rather have Lane Kiffin. Now, that could change after this year. And, you know, he got off to the 7-0 and start a year ago, finished 1-5, and and so now you're right back to, you know, 8-5 and at Ole Miss. But, you know, they were 7-0 and rolling in to what, Baton Rouge? Was that their first loss? Yeah. yeah I think it yeah. was at LSU, wasn't it? And just got their head knocked off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the – that finish takes a little shine off of that season. But he also had him in the, what, the Sugar Bowl the year before against Baylor with Matt Corral. I mean, it, I, I, I wasn't – I wouldn't have been too terribly disappointed to see Lane Kiffin and Norman instead of Brent Venables back then. You know, I mean, he was one of those guys where I was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind Lane Kiffin. He was never going to get hired at OU just because he's not the, the right guy, quote-unquote. But he's pretty darn good. Um, who's falling on this list? Yeah. And I even went to the, the next list down from 26 to 59 for this one. I think there's one guy that's clearly falling. Who's that? Jimbo Fisher. He's clear to 20. Oh, that's a good one. He's clear to 20 right now. And it does it not just feel like he's a dinosaur. See, this is the beauty to me of Saban. Man, he was at five last year. This is the beauty of Saban to me. Is coming out of that of that Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma, and the you know the comments that he would make about the up tempo offenses and it ruining the game and blah 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 blah. Instead of digging his feet in the dirt and and holding that line, he said, "You know what? I better change." And he did, and next thing you know, Bama was back to being Bama. It doesn't feel like Jimbo Fisher has that in him. Now, maybe this hiring of Bobby Petrino does that. Maybe. 
if he really turns the offense over to him, you know, something in the 21st century. But, man, he feels like he's the guy. Got one more bad season, and uh-oh, the natives are restless. A couple other guys I have that way, Dana Holgerson at Houston. Gosh, wasn't there a time where it felt like he was the meteoric rise guy? Now it's like, eh. And then Kirk Ferentz, geez, Louise. His offense is in the 1700s. Mm. On the other side, rising fast, can guys. I, can I add to the following? Yeah, go to the following. Well, uh, according to this, I had to go to that next list, but Matt Campbell – yeah, they they kind of dropped it's a huge him year down. for him. This is a big year for him, and, and based on everything he has said, that this is rebuild two point He was telling every all his fans and media that we expect not to be good this year. And you mentioned all the one the close losses that they had. Mm-hmm. This is okay. Then based on that, Matt, based on this year, based on what you just said, this year it should be better than last year. And if it's not, then that's a lot of. A lot of heat in his chair. Well, probably not. I wouldn't, maybe not Iowa that. Not, I mean, not a, but you know what I mean. Well, you got to. I think probably you didn't realize how much talent they really had on those teams. Once you start looking at the NFL draft and good players in the NFL, yeah, like, oh, oh man, yeah, those guys. Even though we were in Iowa State, they were better than we thought. All right, guys that I think can go flying up this board. I think Matt Rule mm. at Nebraska. I think Dan Lanning at Oregon. Yeah, that was mine. And I think Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. And, of course, BV is at 52. If Oklahoma has a season that they should against that crappy schedule, he'll go flying up this board as well. So those are kind of the guys that I think have a chance to, to really rise. And another name that's I just noticed, I don't even know if I knew he was the coach. What if Gus Malzahn has UCF be pretty good? That could be interesting. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I even realized he was the coach at UCF. Yeah, I did until just now. Yeah, and of course, my man Hugh Freeze. Watch out. Him and Auburn is a match made in heaven. Uh, guys that could rise for me: Shane Beamer. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Um, oh, uh, Oregon coach Dan Lanning, Dan like Lanning. you said, and Sarkeesian. It's a big year for him too. Yeah, it is. They're at thirty-seven. Crystal Ball as well at thirty-nine at Miami. He can use the NIL like we think it should be used. That could be one that skyrockets as well. Quick uh, leaderboard update at the PGA Championship. Higa is still ahead. He's ahead by three. Four under through seven. He just hit it in the rough and just had to lay up. So he's in danger of making his first bogey. But Higa is four under. Then you got John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Zach Johnson, all at one under par. Early, early, early on in the first round of the 105th PGA up at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York. Other golf notes, Jared. Yesterday, the Sooners, Ryan Hibble's Oklahoma Sooners, advanced to their 12th straight national tournament, finishing second in the Norman Regional there in Jimmy Austin behind Alabama by a couple of shots. Uh, but OU in the national tournament for the 12th straight year, looking to win the second national title under Ryan Hibble. Uh, the last one came back in 2017. They've been right on the doorstep a couple of times since then, just unable to quite get it done. But Sooners back in the national tournament. Oklahoma State season is over. Mm. For just the second time in the last 76 years, Oklahoma State misses out on the men's golf national tournament as they finished seventh in, in the Las Vegas Regional 
Uh, so the Pokes not going. They they had a streak. Do you, do you realize they had a streak of 65 straight from 1947 to 2011? They made every single national tournament 65 in a row, and now their second miss in the last 12. It feels like the, the the ship is sinking. The sky is falling. What in the world's happening up there at Stillwater? I, I think it's interesting though. Because if you look, especially since that 2017 national title, and recently, when I say recently, I mean in the last two or three years, four years-ish, maybe even go a handful. But there have been some really, really, really good players in the state of Oklahoma that a decade, 20 years ago, if those guys would have been in this state heading to play college golf, there would have been zero point zero chance they went anywhere but Stillwater. And Ryan Hibble has been able to get a whole bunch of those guys, including Ryder Cowan this year, which I know came down, I know came down to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Mm. And he went to Oklahoma. And when you look at their lineups, man, it, it's very, very interesting because OU's got five Texans, three Okies, and then a kid from Arizona, a kid from Kentucky, a kid from California, and a kid from Nebraska. Oklahoma State's lineup has one Okie, one from Colorado, one from Illinois, one from Nevada, and then one from India, one from Germany, one from Denmark, one from China, and one from Japan. And I just wonder if... Because of the the quality of guys that have come through here, Drew Goodman from Oklahoma City just was the runner-up in that regional to the number one ranked amateur in the world, Texas Tech's Ludwig Aberg, from right there in Oklahoma City. Ryder, Oklahoma City. Quade Cummins weather. Brad Dalkey started in Hobart, but he he ends up Mm -hmm. a Metroplex guy. And on and on. Jackson Dow's there at OU from OCS. Uh, Has... Has the emergence of OU hurt OSU more than anybody realized? So you're asking me if the emergence of OU and their recruiting philosophy of finding local kids, the local guys that are that are good, has? I mean, those were uh, those. I'm saying those kids were guaranteed Cowboys ten years ago. Well, I think a lot a lot of the credit goes to Hibble. Yeah, with with uh, there's a great ar- article I read somewhere. I love giving credit, and I cannot remember where it came from. But I read this article that actually OU's uh, socials put out there um, about how Castiglione hired Hibble, and, and it 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 changed. I mean, it was a 180 for the program. They were not good before that, and and bringing him in and, and credit. To, I think a lot of credit goes to him for finding those guys and staying right here in state for the most part to do it. And it does, and it has a ripple effect. It it changes the way other. I mean, in any sport, you know, when a team is good, you know, for instance, OU football. I mean, you got when they're really, really good. You got everyone else trying to play catch up or do things differently. It has a ripple effect. So that's probably what's happening a little bit over in Stillwater. And also, there's another thing that's happened in the high school ranks here. That I mean, look at OU softball, and everyone's trying to catch up. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but they're, the difference is they're able to get anybody and everybody. Yeah, but which it started. So yeah, did Oklahoma yeah. State yeah. golf. Yeah, yeah. But nobody is, you know, OSU's trying, but they haven't. They haven't cleared any hurdles 
with OU softball the way that the OU golf team has. You know, and mm-hmm. I, Quaid ended up being a, a, a hell of a player at OU. He wasn't that highly recruited because he didn't go out and, and play in a lot of these, you know, the AJGAs, the real national tournaments as a high school kid. He was content to, hey, I'm going to OU, and that's great. And, and Hibble found him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but turning those guys, those local guys like that, into what they became, now all of a sudden when you do see a guy like Ryder who's playing all over the country, you know, it, it's more enticing. I mean, what I'm trying to tell you is for the first time ever, Oklahoma's almost on equal footing with Oklahoma State, at least in the eyes of the kids in this state when it comes to golf which is a mouthful when you consider the tradition of what Oklahoma State is. But they're not getting them. And another thing that's happened, just as far as high school golf in this state, the powerhouse program that Edmund North was for all those years. And when you go back and look, you know, winning 15 or 20 titles in a row, where did those kids go? Almost exclusively to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. We just saw one. We we just saw one this weekend. Finished second, Austin Eckrode. But as that program has not has taken a little bit of a step back, you know that pipeline isn't nearly as as full as it once was. So you kind of couple all these things together, and you know there, there's it, it seems like these kids are actually having a real decision to make for the first time ever. These Oklahomans that are nationally ranked high school junior golfers where Oklahoma is just as enticing as Oklahoma State, which is not something that I think anybody, even in your wildest dreams of Joe Constiglione, wouldn't have thought Ryan Hibble can, could turn Oklahoma into that. But it sure seems like he has. And when you look at their, when you look at the rosters for both sides, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. So it, it's uh, – it's an amazing accomplishment for Hibble to 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 bring Oklahoma to the level that that he has. And it's another testament of how valuable Joe Castiglione is to the University of Oklahoma. Look at all the hires he has made, and he's hit on more than missed. Starts starting with Bob Stoops. Did he hire Gasso? I don't know if he did. Yeah, she was here. She was here. Um. You know, then obviously uh, yeah. Hibble, and there's other numerous hires in there that have had success. I'm interested to see if the wrestling coach hire is going to be a difference maker. Might take some time to find out, but but yeah, I mean the Hibble thing is a deal is a thing, and um, he's got him going, got him going. Where is the national tournament? Uh, Scottsdale at Greyhawk. I've kind of put it there the last. It's, it seems say, like it's found a, it's found it's a home there for a little bit. It went around. You know, it was Karsten not that long ago, what 2018. Yeah. Uh, then it was over in Arkansas, but for the last three or four years, it's kind of that's where it's been. It almost seems like they've got it planted out there at Greyhawk uh, in Scottsdale. All right, that'll do it. Okay. Well, you have a wonderful day tomorrow. Hope it's not raining when you're trying to play golf. I thought you were going to break some news earlier. Uh, seismic shift in girls basketball in high school. I can promise you that. We're waiting for the press release from up north. Usually, do we really uh, need usually, to? Usually, uh, uh, we get some stuff up there. Yeah, we do. I'll check my email. <laughs> Everybody have a wonderful Thursday. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. 
Way 